everyone. Welcome to In Your Element from Tetramap, where our focus is on developing people and business the way nature intended. Our guests will be sharing their expertise on what it's like when you're working in your element and working in a great team where people value each other's differences. I'm Louise Duncan, your host, and look forward to sharing this with you in the coming weeks. So today's very special guest on the podcast is Professor Hector Efrain Rodriguez de la Rosa from Mexico. Now, Hector is a professor of organizational development at the University of Guanajuato. He holds a master's degree in group psychology, an MBA, and a string of many other OD facilitation and coaching qualifications. And since 1996, he's also been the director of the International Annual Conference on Work Teams, which we're going to talk a little bit more about later. And Hector, we are so very honored and delighted to have you with us today on the In Your Element podcast. Uh, It's a pleasure to be with all of you this evening. Yeah, and a huge welcome to you. Thank you very much, Louise. And another thing that I didn't mention uh, in my introduction is that Hector is a big fan and a powerful advocate for Tetramap's model and a framework, which he's integrated into both his work and his life. And in fact, so much so that he authored a book called Collaboration for High Performance, which was about the variables at the individual group and organization seen through Tetramap. And that's a pretty big honor for us. So I guess, Hector, we should start by asking you to tell us how you first came to learn about Tetramap and as a result, how you became very good friends with Tetramap creators John and Yoshimi Brett. Of course. Well, actually, I don't know how many years ago that happened, or perhaps I don't want to say, but it's been a long time. <laughs> <laughs> and Yoshi and John came to Mexico City to facilitate a session in, in the Conference of Accelerated Learning. Mm-hmm. And when I was as a participant in that session, I I sense in my body that that framework, even though it was a very simple framework, it was a powerful way of living uh, my life or living a project or living uh, any endeavor towards uh, the achievement of a goal. At that moment, I became more more interested in getting to know Yoshi and John than in really deepening into the, the framework of Tetramat. And what I found was a treasure. No? John and Yoshi are treasures that we discover in life. And I feel so blessed by having the chance to meet them and to develop a personal relationship with them that up to this moment uh, guides me in many moments and many decisions in many arenas in my life. 
Well, that's uh, that's amazing, Hector. And the fact that you were at a conference on accelerated learning, and it was probably an introduction to the framework of TetraMap, I guess, was something that grasped you in a probably a very short space of time. And what you obviously saw was the potential for incorporating it, the model and the framework into various aspects of your life. And I assume, therefore, your work. Exactly. Um, at that moment, I remember that one of the things that captured my attention was the use of metaphors. Mm -hmm. they, they are so skilled in in choosing the right metaphors to convey a message. But I also found very interesting and useful to use, as, as you said, that introduction to validate what was my understanding of human differences. Now, I, I have been teach, a teacher for 30 years, and I, I, am, um, I am convinced that within uh, a classroom, uh, well, nowadays the, the, the walls of a classroom are no materials, but within a group that is learning a content, we have a, a diversity of approaches, styles, preferences. And TetraMap framework helped me to understand how to approach each one of them in my classes uh, or in the groups that I was facilitating so, so everyone was able to bring their richness, their talents, their potential to the table. Mm, that's so lovely. And it is that richness of the diversity that enables people to make the context relevant to them as an individual. I think that's what the power of TetraMap is from my perspective anyway. And I think um, listening to what you're saying about John and Yoshimi being a treasure, and they are definitely, I always describe TetraMap as being a gift. And it's a gift that you can give to other people that they can take away and use and apply very easily in their own lives. And I would imagine that's something that your students at the university have found really helpful for them in understanding difference and diversity at all levels of an organization and a team, perhaps. Yeah. Uh, and well, the beauty of TetraMap it's that you can apply it to any social setting, any environment, any human need. And um, yes, at the beginning, I designed it, designed my classes using the TetraMap framework. And I think they became richer experiences for everyone. And as I said, also, they became an opportunity for each individual within the class to be lighted, light up, no? to participate from, from their own nature. So to, I'm talking that uh, this frame, framework has been with me in many other settings, no? as a coach, as a team leader, as, a, as an executive uh, within the, the university, as a consultant, um, it's very easy. It's very easy to bring this framework to any situation, to any goal, to any project. And I think that was what really caused 
that I fell in love with it because uh, at the beginning it was for me, I, I didn't really catch at the beginning. I, I really didn't understand at the beginning the potential because uh, I guess many, many individuals, many human beings end up just perceiving that this is a framework to understand human behavior. But later on, through the guidance of, of uh, Yoshi and John, I was able to understand how you can use Tetramap to, well, actually Tetramap has become a, a, a verb for me, no? To Tetramap any situation, no? Mm. And since then, all challenges in my life, all um, duties, all projects, I apply Tetramap so I can have a wider view of the, of, of the challenge ahead of me. So I can have a more integral and systemic and organic and holistic view of what is about to happen and what I, what I am designing, what, I'm, what I am about to deploy. So I think that uh, Tetramap, it's a powerful framework for all human settings, all human living or all living systems. So it's better to say uh, it's very easy to apply it. Uh, it. Also, I can say that Tetramap has been my better coach. No, like um, as, a, as an individual, I also have a personal development path. And Tetramap has been a coaching presence in my life. And perhaps I still don't get where I want to go, but definitely I'm a whole new person just by always putting myself in, in, in the place of others that I interact with and deploy and to extend and to amplify what I normally do in my nature. Mm. to have three extra different ways to approach my relationships in my life, even the, the relationship with myself. Well, that's a pretty powerful um, understanding, Hector, that you've received over, over many years. And could I just ask you if you have an example for perhaps for others who are listening to this podcast but don't know Tetramap well, could you give us an example of something that uh, maybe a project or a challenge that you've solved using Tetramap's framework just to help them understand how that might apply in a real life context? Um, definitely. Last year in October 2019, I finished my duty as a provost of the University of Guanajuato. And the office of the provost um, um, deals with conflicts that can affect, that can impact the whole system, the whole university. And I wanna share with you like one of the, the challenges that I lived there was to, to face a reality and to face a problem that in society we have, which has to do with uh, gender violence, especially uh, gender towards women. No, like uh, from uh, from I mean, from many years, our university 
it's 287 years old. Mm. Um, wow. But this doesn't happen just to, to our university. I think it's a, a problem system-wide, mm. nationwide, mm. worldwide. No? Globally, yeah. Women have been experiencing different ways of violence. Mm. So, uh, of course, when, when women don't have the attention they are asking for, when they speak and they are not listened to, when they say this is happening and they don't get a response, it comes a time where the way they show anger is not like diplomatic way. They become activists and they uh, use their, their own agency to, to uh, demand attention right. of a problem they yeah. are experiencing. Yeah. So when the university had like a very serious problem of a group of students uh, exhibiting a problem of women's violence no, or violence towards women, no, from professors to, to students or from colleagues, men colleagues towards, uh, against uh, women colleagues and all that. So all of this went through to the media. And you know that when situations like this go to the media, the media, uh, of course, I, I, I'm pretty sure there are a lot of uh, media companies that are interested mm -hmm. in presenting this to society. So they also become allies of the, the women movement, no? Yeah. But what is true also is that newspapers and all, all other media and companies use these opportunities to sell the new, to keep a new in the headlines. So it also becomes like something that creates a lot of discomfort within an institution, no? Because suddenly we have a problem. Suddenly it's a problem we have been creating for hundreds of years from a culture that has given so many privileges to men and to from a culture that has um, hide so many experiences of women feeling violence towards them. Mm. So uh, it's frightening for an mm. authority to live, to be in that, uh, in that position within a university and no, no having the clarity of how to proceed. Right. The University of Guanajuato is an institution of 60 plus uh, human beings, 60,000 people. So imagine how this resonated in a, mm. in a very large community uh, mm. distributed through the state. Mm. So being in the position of the provost, I need to confess that my first reaction was not based on Tetramap. It was more like based on my natural element, which is air. No? Okay. <laughs> and, <laughs> and since I was in charge of these kind of cases, I was able to have the information of how many cases, what kind of cases they were and all that. So when the media ca came to interview us, I did something wrong. I offered data. I offered 
explanations. I offer information that was valid, but was not at the level of the needs that were being exposed. Fortunately, we had the chance to rethink the way we approach this uh, problem. And what I did, and, and actually what I developed was a, a gender program for the university. And for me, it was clear that the four elements of Tetramap needed to be listened to. So we needed to, to take firm actions against violence. We needed to, to be transparent about the cases that were being processed and the information society needed. Mm -hmm. But most of all, we needed to be empathetic with the pain, with the courage, with what it took for women to speak out. We needed to become allies of them. We needed to, to be part of their own, of their, their, their own fight, their own struggle. Yeah. And at the same time, to keep a positive attitude, an optimistic attitude that even though it was demanding, it was frightening, even though it was something uh, that we were not prepared to deal with, if we work it uh, with this principle of respecting, being empathetic, being firm about the actions we needed to take, mm. it will be possible to build a better future where um, we reduce these kind of cases and we have more respect in the work professors did, in the way relationships were happening within the university. Mm. Which is obviously the fire, the future, looking to the future of the better future exactly. that could arise. Yeah, exactly. yeah. fantastic. That's a wonderful story, uh, Hector. And I, I'm really surprised and honored that you've brought that to the table because it really does give a very deep illustration. And is there a, I know that would be something that would be an ongoing challenge for, you know, globally, I think, not just picking out one university. Obviously, yes, one of the global goals is one of, you know, is gender equality. So I'm thinking, you know, I'd love for you to continue the story if there is more. Even though I share that the way we approach from an institutional standpoint, this problem, and, and actually I'm not there anymore in that position, but uh, that's the way it continues being deployed, this uh, gender program within the university. Mm. I need to confess that my personal learning at that moment was that this need, this social need that was being expressed, didn't need my air didn't need my, inf the, my information to prove something. What needed was the water, the empathy, the solidarity, the understanding of how, how that situation can be for women, for students, for, for women workers, that they feel vulnerable in a situation. So even though that happens afterward, that left a very deep lear learning in me. And now every time that I am in a situation where someone is taking the courage to speak out a problem, 
I don't go to my preference. I don't go to my natural element. I go to perhaps an element that is not my preference, which is water, but, but is the one that is needed when a vulnerable human being is, is, uh, has decided to speak out about a problem, has decided to expose the, their vulnerability. Mm. Well, thank you, Hector. And you've expressed it so clearly and so well. And it's just made me think about what's happened in the pandemic and with uh, leaders like Jacinda Ardern, who are coming to the fore. And she's been, you know, acknowledged for her empathy, both in when we had the uh, the massacre in Christchurch and through the coronavirus. Exactly. You know, mm-hmm. so it's not that she's, you know, or you aren't bringing all your elements to the table, but you need to maybe be able to flex or adapt to what is something that's not natural for you. But recognizing that that's what you need to bring to the fore is how and when you can bring that to the fore. And I think that's the beauty of your story. Because, you know, at the end of the day, your air was needed, I'm sure. But also, it was more needed to you to bring your water, your empathetic style, and be able to give people hope for the future that this change could happen. And that's what I see from your story as being very uh, important, that you've actually reached all four elements in the solution that you've provided or at the time you provided. And that's a great illustration for our listeners of what people tend to perceive Tetramap as a simple behavioral model, which it is, but it's also a very powerful framework which you can apply to us to a much broader problem and then simplify the solution through those lenses of the four elements would that exactly. be fair yeah i i will say that that's the beauty of tetramat that it hit it that framework becomes part of you of your dna to approach any situation in life. And the beauty of it is that it um, creates like options for you to proceed. It creates the, the possibility to, to double check which one is the one that in this situation is needed. Mm-hmm. Um, in organizational development, we, as a consultants, we always help systems uh, to bring something that is missing in the system, something that the system wants. And I think the framework of Tetramap, it's a, it's, I, I don't see it as a rigid formula. Uh, on the contrary, I see it as, a, as an approach that gives you the f- flexibility to reflect on what is what it will be most useful, it will be better. More, mm. more, more useful for this situation. And that's the beauty that your nature is going to be there, but it gives you always options to have the impact that you, that you want to have. Mm. Perfect. Hector, thank you. I can't say any more on that. It's, it's really, it's really cool to hear you describe it in your context and how you've used it and the value that it's added both to you as an individual, as a professor for your own personal learning, but also in helping 
organizations and I'm sure your students understand themselves better. So I'd like to go back, Hector. You've talked a little bit more about, you know, you've talked a little bit about being in your element is being high air. So can we just learn a little more about you? What does that mean to you when you're in your element? What are you doing, Hector? What are you thinking? What are you feeling at that time when you're working in your element? Well, I hope I did. I don't disappoint our, <laughs> our friends, our, our listeners, because I will start with a reality, at least my experience of uh, being on my element, which I think one of the more the, 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 the main elements in me is air. And I want to, before proceeding, uh, continuing, I want to say that I'm very clear that I am, I am the four elements. And I can give you thousands of examples of how I have behaved, act, make a decision, uh, proceeded in my life using the four elements. But definitely, I have a preference. One, mm-hmm. one of them comes to me natural. Mm-hmm. And I also don't want to go to the long story why I, I am an element <laughs> <laughs> like this, uh, because this is not uh, a therapy session, <laughs> so to speak. Uh, but I want to start saying that as an air element, I see myself always unsatisfied. I see myself always as uh, looking for a way to improve things. Uh, so when I say un- unsatisfied, that means that it's very difficult for, uh, for others to make me happy, to, to see a face in me that says, great. No, mm. I'm always evaluating <laughs> situations. I'm always, uh, sensing what can go wrong. Yeah. How can, how can we, do it better, even though if it's perfect. So for me, being in uh, in my natural element, yeah, uh, it's a way of always looking for information, always reviewing information, verifying information before acting. Mm. Sometimes I need to be pushed by mm. my by my earth or the people around me who are with an element, a natural element of air to, to act, to decide, mm-hmm. to move to action. Mm-hmm. It's like, even though I'm prepared, I always have doubts that I could do it better. I need to confess, for example, <laughs> that we, we were a little bit uh, uh, delayed in the start of this interview. And there was a thought within me that says, hopefully we postpone it so I can be better prepared. No? <laughs> so um, that's that's my nature no yeah. so i think that's also, actually I though said, sorry. Hector, can no, i no, interrupt no, no, you no. i think that's very useful for other people who who perhaps have lim- more limited understanding to understand about that air element in that you know critical in inverted commas aspect of it, because that's something that from another elemental perspective can be a little of an irritation or a frustration because, you know, they've presented a great idea and then the air will ask 20 questions. And it's where that irritation can sometimes come to the fore. And yet your explanation has helped 
us turn that into an insight so that what you're trying to do is say, how can we make this better? There must be a way that we can make your great idea even greater and always looking for the next, the next thing. And that's the value of it. And I, I love the word critical. And it's something for me that because from personally, my lowest element is air. <laughs> when I need somebody to help me evaluate things or ask those very critical questions, which I don't see as a negative. I love to work with an air because they see some air element preference because they see many, many things that I would never see. But also I'm very easy with ideas and the things that come very naturally to me. So the combination of working with somebody who's not in your preference, it also adds a lot of power when you don't see it as being something that's a frustration, but you see it as something that's being an opportunity. That's my perspective on it anyway. Yeah, de definitely, Luis. Something that I uh, I love uh, is the pain of learning, and and I mean I've been devoted to to study to work with teams for more than thirty years, and I, I will not change for anything the moments of struggle. I will not change for anything the moments where we, in a way, calibrate our, our mutual anxieties, our mutual tensions. Mm. And, and I, I love that within a, a team, uh, we always find preferences. We always find new, different ways of looking at things, different ways of feeling things, different way of expressing things. And that is not easy, especially for air, because we always have like a, a best, a, a better way to make decisions, to see a situation. We always think that we are better, no? But I love the pain of finding out that I am not. I love that pain of going to a place of, of becoming a little bit humble to, to let go. And I, I would like to say that uh, the current times that we are living in, um, it's, a, it's a, a situation that is teaching uh, wonderful lessons to, to air elements. We, we need to let go a little bit. We need to be happy even with situations are not perfect. Uh, for example, I, I, this is my last semester actually teaching at the University of, of Guanajuato. I'm retiring this coming January. And for the first time in 30 years, I moved to a place where I became less demanding and more empathetic more empathetic of the situations our students are living in. Uh, a lot of our students don't have economical resources to have a device to connect. They live in rancherias, in communities where internet is not uh, available. They need to risk their lives to go and to connect in a cyber cafe. They need to share the cell phone of the father when he comes from work. Uh, and they need to split the time among three, three members of the family. So I'm just putting this example because definitely the, the sanitary emergency that we are living 
is is a, a teacher for for all elements. Uh, I'm not saying that just for air, but for all elements uh, in Tetramap, uh, these are precious moments where we can develop a skill that I that for me was how can I say like um, one of the most useful and clear uh, ways in which we can be we can become a better human beings, which is flexibility. And I remember John and, and Yoshi talking to us about flex style, you know, about finding the right uh, uh, tone, the right pressure of our element within a context, within a situation. So it's not just to, to move into from one element to another element uh, as the situation requires, but it's also about fine-tuning your own element. How much is how how much is too much? How much is too little? No, mm. of your own element. Mm. Thank you, Hector. Amazing. And I wanted to uh, to ask you a little bit about you know nature and also young people, because you know I've heard you mention previously that you know the lessons from nature are right in front of us and the young people that you're talking about and have referred to are ready for some transformation or shifts. And I just wondered if you would like to make a couple of comments on that with your experience and uh, in the context of what's been happening in the last few months. Yeah, of course. Um, long, long time ago, when I started to learn and to adopt Tetramap in my life, I remember that perhaps I was distracted or perhaps I didn't pay enough attention. I, I remember that nature was used as a metaphor, uh, as a mean to explain something, as, as a vehicle to convey a message, no? But definitely uh, the current situation has brought nature uh, and the relationship between Tetramap and nature to a higher level, to a more uh, important, exponential, vi vi vital uh, place. And um, I do believe that nature is, is the teacher and the creators of Tetramap did very well in choosing uh, from the beginning nature as a metaphor because we always have lessons we can learn from coming from nature. And le let me tell you a, a very simple, perhaps uh, perhaps it's not a relevant experience that I had uh, when, one week ago. I was planting uh, several trees in a ground that we have next to our house. And at this moment, at this moment in Mexico, uh, winter, uh, it's coming. So, uh, the days are becoming cooler, uh, colder. And definitely when I pick up the trees in the nursing, nursing place, they were beautiful green. And I picked them because they were perfect. No air elements are always looking for the perfect uh, trees. No. So when, when I planted them, I noticed that they started to leave their leaves 
falling down. Yeah. And I remember that I, that I was even talking to them. Um, I mean, at least twice a, a, a week, I water them. And so I was talking to them and I, I need to confess my dialogue, even though I can be blamed. I was telling a couple of them, you know, I, I see you a little bit sad. Uh, you are like not happy here, but you better make up your mind if you want to be here. Because if you don't want to be here, beautiful tree, uh, I can replace you. <laughs> so I kept wat watering the trees. And a week ago, something happened that was really surprising. It was even a, a situation that I took a picture to it and I was using even in my classes as a, as a background picture, no? Mm. Those, the trees uh, were having very new, beautiful sp sprouts. I, I don't know if that's the way you Yeah, name. that's mean, fine, yeah. Uh, but, but this is winter. Mm -hmm. They normally do that when, when spring is coming. Mm. I, I don't want to say that we, I mean, of course, we have created a chaos in our environment, no? But for me, I decided to use that situation as a metaphor, no? As, right. a, as a lesson to be unveiled, no? To, to be exhibited in my eyes, no? Yeah. I, and, yeah. and the gift that nature was giving me at that moment, in this moment of sanitary emergency, was that there is always hope. There is always a chance to work in the things that we have not worked before. There is always an opportunity to life, to rebirth, to emerge, to, to come back. And that um, experience, I mean, the, 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 the trees are now beautiful and green, even though it's very freezing outside. That lesson from nature, it's very similar to what Tetra Map has taught me in my life, no? It's a positive framework of nature. It's a, it's a framework that invites us to, to have hope but at the same time to act on our agency, to, 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 to do something. So when I relate this to uh, how our students and how everyone is living the, the current uh, emergency that we live in, I, I do believe that nature is telling us, um, you, you have some debt with me. You have been abusing your consumism, consumism. You have neglecting me. You have exploiting me. But regardless of that, there is still hope. Please act on your agency when we still have time. So that's the, the story that I wanted to share and how I, I became very interested and very open to learn the message in every sign of life in nature, in every message that for me is important. Mm. Is that something that you would encourage then, Hector, others to do? Because, you know, as you've said before, these, these lessons from nature are right in front of us. 
And nature's wisdom is such a powerful teacher, but it takes a little bit of time to reflect on what's happening and why things are happening and what you've done in order to encourage and give those trees the time that they needed to recover, to establish themselves a little bit perhaps in your ground because you've transplanted them and then to come to hope again, come to life again through hope. And I think that's a very powerful reflection as well as a, a, as a very strong metaphor for people. The lessons are there if you take the chance and the time to just have a look and, and try to understand them. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And in addition, I also believe, I, I'm going back to my narrative, and I also believe that I was not fair with the trees when I was uh, unsatisfied for the, uh, with them uh, getting bold, getting uh, without leaves. Mm -hmm. I, was, I was looking at the ugliness of mm -hmm. the tree, and I was blind to see the beauty So the same branch that I was seeing was the one that was having a new sprout for me. So what I take from that is that, and also it's a, a, a basic principle in Tetramap, every element has its beauty, even though sometimes we struggle with it, even though we would like the world to be an air world, Every element is not changeable. We cannot demand a different way of expressing elements in life. We need to see the beauty. We need to work with the whole of every element. And I want to keep that message. No? So in terms of nature, I, I do believe that we have been using nature in our advantage. Uh, for many years, and hopefully this, uh, I still have hope that this pandemic uh, uh, make us learn, that we come to our senses to see that uh, uh, we, we, we need to respect beauty, even though it's, it's, it's not, uh, uh, like what, what I can, how can I express this, like a beautiful Japanese garden, or like a beautiful dog, or like, uh, I mean, a street, a dog in the street is beautiful. A bird is beautiful, not just the one that you buy in, mm. and have an, in a cage. So, so respecting the beauty of everything and, and allowing the opportunity to leave everything, uh, I think it's becoming very important for me. Mm. Lots of wisdom in that as well, in recognizing, I suppose, the cultivation that society has created expectations of everything exactly. is just right. And the cultivation of it, you need to look like this and refer back to your women's story and you yeah. need to act like this and re you need to be like that. And if you allowed people to understand themselves and be a bit more in their element, warts and all, we have that expression. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that expression, you know, warts and all of the ugly spots that you might see on your face or whatever, mm -hmm. is something that we need to be more accepting of as society so that we recognize the beauty in our diversity and the 
almost what's the opposite word to beauty, the ugliness, I suppose, in us all being the same, because that is what makes the world very bland. And that the world is very diverse because we are so different. And I think that's just the illustration that you've made very powerfully there, Hector, with your, yeah. your recent tree story. Uh, Luis, I think we are in times where we have a, a very important homework. And that has to do with deconstruct so many things that we have been introjected in, in our culture. Like, for example, what beauty means, no? what uh, useful means, what power means, what leadership means. These are times where we need to deconstruct and, and, and to build new understanding uh, that, that is more appreciative of nature as it is, no? Not to be kidnapped by uh, the media that mm -hmm. teach us how to, to live a life. Mm -hmm. We need to create new ways of living our lives. And for all of that, for organizational life, for community life, for family life, for personal life, Tetramap, it's a more uh, most needed framework because it really teach you how to go to basics and from basics create powerful solutions that we all need now. Mm. Thank you, Hector. And as we start to move forward and think about our final couple of questions, I wanted to take you back to the thing that I introduced at the beginning about your annual conference on work teams that you've been running so generously for many years. Is there something in there, thinking about the listeners that, you know, in terms of using Tetramap for developing teams that you, you would like to share on that topic that might be a great gift for the listeners to take away with them? Well, I hope this, this has uh, some value for our listeners. But Definitely. Um, <laughs> this conference started almost 25 years ago. Since the beginning... Uh, we have uh, received participants from the whole country, from all over Mexico, especially uh, organizations that were interested in achieving better results through collaboration. No? So I remember the origins of this conference uh, at that time. Uh, the self-managed teams were very popular. And during its life, the conference has, has evolved and we stopped like following the, the, the business trends, so to speak. We were not interested anymore like in what is the, the new um, boss, the new title of a book, the new approach in organizations and, 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 but instead of that, um, we work in creating a, an experience, an annual experience for reflection and action. Mm. Uh, so we, even though we have uh, participants in this beautiful city of Guanajuato for three days only, we tried that the program uh, gives them the opportunity to have the chance to be exposed to solid experiences, uh, solid cases of organizations that 
believe in humanism, in, in people, not as a means by, but as a, as the key, as the key element that makes possible the living of an organization. No, we also were interested in making sure that during the program, people ask questions, people have the opportunity to reflect, but also to have the opportunity to create networking, to create bondings of collaboration co collaboration among the participants. And definitely uh, our conference is always looking at what is possible. So in a way I'm describing uh, how we organize the conference. No? So we have Earth, uh, which are results of teams within organizations. We have air, which are methods, models, procedures, designs of teamwork. We have uh, a lot of soft skills, soft competencies development sessions, especially for, for people who are too much in the, in the, in the results area, how they can become more empathetic with their teams. And also we, we enhance the capacity, uh, the possibility for, for attendees or, uh, of par participants to see what is possible to create. So I'm very thankful because since the beginning, TetraMap was an inspiration to develop a program that was balanced, so to speak, for participants. But thinking about the, the questions, it will be, I mean, it's very difficult for me to say something small, uh, to say something short, to say something that is meaningful based on 30 years of experience with this Encuentro de Equipos de Trabajo in Mexico, no? Uh, because we have seen so many cases, so many situations, so many, so many models. But today I chose to, I chose a gem, a, a golden nugget with our listeners. No, mm. if I can say that what I have learned in 30 years and also in my personal professional life about teams, I, I can say something very simple, but at the same time, something for me that is important and, and has a lot of, uh, weight in it, no? And what I have learned is that resources for any challenge are always within the team. It's incredible that the, the, the power that, that a group of diverse interdependent people can put in the service of a solution. These times that we are living are uh, are times where teams are the ones that are supporting organizations. They are bringing their support, their resources to create solutions to a situation that never existed before. So I will say that, that the power of diversity and interdependence within a team, it's a formula to create anything, anything that you want to create with the team. And another and final say, thing that I want to say, more based in the situation that we are living now, one person asked me 
a couple of days ago, what the role of a leader of a team should be during this time. And of course, I, I, I have several answers to that question, but there is one that I want to share because I have become very aware that many leaders in institutions, in organizations, instead of making their, their teams be brilliant, be light up, uh, be the center of the spotlight, they take the results, they take the suggestions from the team, they take the, the, what the team creates to polish their own image in front of other leaders, the society, the organization. So, so my invitation, talking about teamwork and team life, for people during these times have a very strong need to, to reinforce that sense of identity, their value. People need to, to feel they are worth their efforts they are making are, are being seen. So these times, uh, more than ever, is a time for leaders to share the spotlight with, the, with their teams. The more that you can be not in front of the team to receive the, the applause, but the more you can be aside of the team or even behind the team, and put the team in front of any solution, any improvement, any plan that is uh, a contingency plan that, that can be deployed, the stronger the team the, during these times is going to become. So hopefully this message uh, gets to someone that finds my intention of value. No? These are moments where need, we need to recognize individual and team effort more than ever. We need to share credit with our teams. We need to put them in the, uh, in the front row in every situation. No? Mm. Well, I'm just thinking about what you said there, Hector, and I think they're two powerful gems to leave with people. The first one, just to summarize, is that the resources are within the team always and use the power of diversity and interdependence to bring those resources to solve the challenge that you're facing. And secondly, to ask the leaders to, rather than looking in the mirror and promoting themselves, to put the others in the spotlight and how can they work to find opportunities to share and give credit to others in the team <laughs> who've helped through this powerful and very difficult situation. But there's been some amazing things that have gone on, and I totally agree with you. So those are fantastic gems to leave. Thank you. Thank you, Luisa. You, I, I, I appreciate that you say things the way I wish I could be able to express it in, in a different language. Oh, you're, you are very honestly, pleased. Hector, I can't <laughs> say you. anything in Spanish. So I'm just <laughs> reinforcing what you've said, which is so wonderful. And, you know, people need to certainly hear it more than once. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. All right. So, Hector, um, just to wrap up then, my final question, what's next for you? <gasps> oh, that's... that's um, a question that um, I have been asked now that I'm about to retire. 
I don't know if if that's the orientation of the question, but no, not I, necessarily. But just not necessarily think, thinking about you know you and you're talking about your thirty years and all these things that you've learned and yeah, I I have an answer. I have become more interested in social projects than in organizational projects. I mean, I, I of course I can continue consulting or I can continue facilitating projects within organizations, but I don't know if it has to do with my age or the times we are living, but I I don't want to leave this world uh, without doing something or doing more to work in many different kinds of injustice that we are living in, in the world. I have a lot to learn uh, because when when we become in, uh, people that have not been involved in, in social needs deep enough, when we start to explore those fields, the fields are uh, are not like a formula black and white, no? One plus two equals three. Uh, for example, uh, feminism, no? Or, or rights of the uh, LGBT plus community or immigrants, no? Or there are so many needs out there. Social uh, justice, environmental justice, political justice, no? You, you live in a wonderful country with a, a wonderful woman leader, no? We just had a session before this interview with, and actually in the group, there were two people uh, from New Zealand uh, sharing how they, they feel, two women that are from South America that live in New Zealand. Uh-huh. And, and they, they were sharing how safe their bodies feel in New Zealand different from where they visit their original countries. So, and, and they were expressing, you no know, some so many shades of their experience, you no? Know? So there are so much work to do out of the capitalistic model, so to speak, you no? Know? There is so much work to do, and I'm pretty sure that Tetramap is gonna continue being a framework that is gonna guide me in learning, being exposed, entering the fields, uh, getting in contact with needs, choosing where I want to leave a mark, choosing and designing a higher purpose for, for the rest of my life. I'm in elementary school in all this. I, I hope the next time that we can talk, I, I can report how I have advanced. I'm just looking at the future and and seeing that I, I I would like to do something different the rest of my life, but definitely it will it will have to do more with social work in 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 one of the many needs that we have as a society, participation of society. No, for example, I mean we live in a country Mexico where people don't care about what government does. People don't have initiative. They don't use their agency to say, we don't like this, we like that, uh, we prefer this, we demand that, we, you, need, you need to stop this abusive way of treating the citizens. So there is a whole ocean 
<laughs> there is a whole field of opportunity. I hope I don't die in the intent of doing something better. No? Hector, I think anything that you put your brilliant mind and fantastic loving heart towards will benefit immensely for the people and the planet and society in general. So mm-hmm. all thank I'd you. like to say is thank you so much for the time, the wonderful gifts, your brilliant insights, and wish you I, I wish you all the best. And I really look forward to meeting you someday in the future. As you know, I've said before, I visited Mexico and found it a beautiful country, but you're, you're have, you are more than welcome and we look forward to receiving you here in New Zealand at some time in the not too distant future. Thanks again, Hector. No, thank you. I am really happy for having this conversation and you know that Mexicans are very good hosts. We love to show <laughs> our diverse country, our diverse food. And um, we have so many problems as country, but at the same time, I, I can say I will never change Mexico as my, as the country where I live. Uh, I think um, it's about to work in the things that need to be, uh, to be different in the things that need to change. But thank you, Luis, for your hospitality. Thank you for provoking this conversation. And uh, you leave my heart happy. Thank you. That's great. Well, look forward to sharing this with our listeners, Hector, and I'll add all the your contact information on the show notes. So if people want to get in touch with you and find out more, there'll be a way for them to do that. It's been my privilege and honor to have this opportunity to talk with you today. And please continue working in your element and helping others see the potential that they have too. Once again, take care, Hector. Take care. Be safe. Be well. Bye, Luis. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye.